0: Are you a Christian? Uh, how can you know if you're a follower of Jesus? Uh, these are some big questions. Uh, so this week I turned to Google to answer them. Uh, I found an interesting 10-question quiz on Am I a Christian? You can see it on the screen, hopefully in the next slide. Uh, the first two questions are these. Do you believe Jesus is really the Son of God? Uh, and how do you react if a friend tells you to lie to their parents? Some really big questions. I wasn't so sure about the reliability of this quiz online, so instead I turned to the artificial intelligence software, ChatGPT, and asked the question. Uh, however, ChatGPT didn't want to respond to a personal question and <laughs> left it to others. Working out the question, the answer to this question, is bigger than even Google or AI can answer. Tonight, in our passage that Megan just read, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, to 9.13 of the Bible, Jesus gives his response. He he proclaims to his disciples and the crowds along with them the way of a disciple, the way of a follower of Jesus. And what he says is surprising and shocking. (coughs) The big idea of our passage is that losing life is the only hope for eternal life. Losing life is the only hope for eternal life. And we can break this up into three sections. Firstly, Jesus demands your life. Secondly, Jesus gives hope for eternal life. And thirdly, so will you listen to Jesus? We've got a big task ahead of us, so why don't I pray to our great Father and ask him for help. Dear Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Thank you that you teach us who you are and what you've come to do. I pray that you would help me to speak clearly you would help each of us to have open ears to be transformed by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Uh, before we look at our passage tonight, it's helpful to recap where we've come from. Last year we did a series from Mark chapter 1 to 8 uh, and it's all about who Jesus is. Uh, and Mark chapter 8 finished with the high point of the book so far. After seeing Jesus heal, preach and perform miracles, Peter, his disciple, declared to Jesus and others that you are the Messiah, you are the Christ. Peter says to Jesus, you are the one that we've been waiting for. But what surprised Peter was what Jesus said next. You can see it on the screen. Instead of bringing in a Jewish rule that would take over the Romans, Jesus immediately speaks of his coming death. On a cross in our first section tonight that's where we, where we are, we've finished that declaration of Jesus as Christ and now we will see what it means to follow Jesus and we'll see that we too like Jesus must lose our life point one Jesus demands your life in verse 34 have your Bibles open if you haven't got it there because we'll be following along in verse 34 Jesus calls in the crowd to show that this message is directed to more than just his immediate disciples. The intended audience is there in verse 34. Whoever wants to be my disciple. I hope that's all of you here tonight, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, you want to learn what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, or you're still investigating what a great place to start, what a great question to ask. What is it to be a disciple of Jesus? What is it to be a Christian? In these verses we'll see that Jesus demands your entire life and he outlines three normal things, three things a normal Christian must give up in order to follow Jesus and also the cost of holding on to those things. First thing, verse 34, read with me. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. To be a Christian, Jesus says, is to give up your identity, give up your old identity. We're to deny ourselves. This means we have got to say no to our desires when they go against God's desires and God's word. We're to take up our cross and follow Jesus. That means following him even when it gets hard, even when people are teasing us and it's a hard thing to live for Jesus. Following Jesus means denying yourself and giving up your identity and finding a new identity in Jesus. Your identity is no longer as a student or as a doctor or as a sports fan or as a runner. Your identity is in Jesus. The Christian life, is more than just a change of worldview and habits on a Sunday. You are now a new person in Christ. Jesus demands your life, so we need to stop searching for identity elsewhere. The second thing he calls us to give up is our pride. Read with me verse 35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. A Christian is someone who knows they can't do it on their own. What are the things in your life on which you rely on more than trusting Jesus? Relationships, your academic qualifications, houses, money. Our world screams at us that these are the things that we can find security in. These are the things that will save our life. But Jesus says the only way to save your life is by losing it. The only way anyone can receive eternal life, save our souls, is by giving up life now for Jesus and the gospel. That means that radical decisions for Jesus, giving up financial benefit, giving up uh, your time to serve others, should be the norm of a Christian life. Jesus demands your life, and there is no room for pride. Thirdly, we're to give up worldly ambition. Read it with me, 36 and 37. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forth it their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The third thing Jesus calls us to give up is our worldly ambition. If Jesus came back tonight, would you be disappointed? Would you be sad that you haven't achieved all that you want to achieve on earth? Maybe there's a job you want to get or maybe there's more money you want to make or a wedding to come or maybe you want to travel the world. Jesus says if you want the world more than you want him, then you can have it. You can gain the whole world. There's people in our world that have all the money, all the wealth in the world. But if you seek after that, the cost is your very soul, your hope for eternal life. Jesus demands your life, so give up worldly ambition. And if we don't give up these things, what's the cost? What's the cost of ignoring Jesus and his words? Well, if anyone, verse 38, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Jesus, in these verses, has quite weightily shared what it means to be a Christian. He's responded to the question, what is a disciple, with weighty and heavy words. And I hope you're feeling it. His demands are bigger than chat GPT or tacky online quizzes give. Jesus calls us to give up everything. Our old identity, our pride, our ambitions. He calls us to give up our lives. And verse 38 shows the cost of not giving up our lives and ignoring Jesus' words. Anyone ashamed of Jesus and his words, will, the Son of Man, Jesus, will be ashamed of them. To follow Jesus and his words is to lose your life now and save your soul forever. To reject Jesus and his words is to gain the world now but lose your soul forever. If this is the standard for a normal Christian life, this isn't just special Christians, but every Christian, then at first glance it seems unachievable. It seems impossible. Can anyone, can any of us here really achieve these lofty standards of what it is to be a normal Christian? Can anyone truly lose their life for Jesus in this way? Maybe you've come here tonight, come to church, thinking that Christian life is all right. It's a bit of a walk in the park. We get to church, maybe we get some brownie points for being, being nice and read the Bible every now and then. If that's your expectation, I hope it's been blown away by these verses we've just read. These verses are like me uh, joining my fifth division Illawarra soccer team and instead of a bunch of unfit, overweight blokes, we have the Brazilian national team walks out in opposition. The standards are high and the expectations of a Christian seemingly unattainable. In these verses, Mark 8, 34 to 38, Jesus uses a motive and powerful language to describe the normal life of a Christian. And I think he does this to leave us with these two questions and maybe you've been asking them this whole time. How can I possibly lose my life for Jesus? And secondly, put bluntly, is is Jesus worth my life? How can I lose my life for Jesus and is he worth it? In our second point tonight, Jesus reveals that he truly is worth it by giving us hope for eternal life. Point two, Jesus gives us hope for eternity. We're going to look at chapter 9, verse 1 to 8. This story that Megan read out before, this story known as the transfiguration, is incredible. It's confounded many who have looked at it and people have got themselves tied in knots trying to work out uh, particular meanings of it. But if we look through the cloud and get a clearer picture of this mountain scene, Jesus will teach us three things that give us hope for eternal life. firstly, in 9, verse 1 to 3, Jesus gives us a glimpse of what eternal life will look like, what glory will look like. Read with me. verse 9, Chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see that the kingdom of God has come with power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. After putting forth the cost of following him, in 9 verse 1, Jesus gives a glimpse of future hope for his disciples. Some of those hearing Jesus' words will see his kingdom come in their lifetime. I think we can see here Jesus referring to his death, resurrection and ascension to glory but this transfiguration story we read from verse 2 onwards is like a movie trailer for the glory to come uh, before i watch any movies i go to before i pay 20 dollars to go to the cinema i always watch the trailer to see if it's worth my money in this scene jesus does the same he gives us a movie trailer for what eternal life will be like In this scene, Jesus gives a glimpse of eternal glory, dazzling white, this great picture. Uh, And Mark, the writer of this Gospel, uh, wants his readers to think back to one of the high points of the Old Testament story. Uh, He uses parallel language uh, to link back to Exodus 24. So, in this passage, we see lots of parallels between a time when Moses was up on a high mountain with God. You can see it on the screen. In the same way, on the, after six days, this happened in Mark. On the seventh day, uh, the same thing happened uh, in Exodus 24. They're on a mountain, there's clouds, there's God speaking from the clouds. Mark wants us to see that this moment of the transfiguration is really important, it's really significant. In this transfiguration story, Jesus shows us a picture of what's to come, glory, to give hope to his disciples that losing life now is well worth it. So, from this picture, we know that there's some eternal glory to come. But is Jesus the one that brings it? How do we get to this eternal life? How do we attain life? In the rest of this section, Jesus reveals that he is the real deal, that he is truly worth following. He does this by giving progressive evidence of who he is. We're going to switch gears a bit and I'm going to get you to picture this. Would you believe me if I told you that my dad, who's uh, about 60 years old, would you believe me if I told you that he can still uh, handstand on a skateboard down a hill? Hands up if you believe me in that story few people, not many, uh, you probably won't believe me if I just tell you that. Uh, but if I show you this picture which comes up on the screen of my dad skatebo- hand standing on a skateboard down a hill, uh, there's a bit more evidence and backing to that claim. The first piece of evidence that Jesus gives us that he is worth following is the backing of the Old Testament prophets. Let's read 9 verse 4 to 6. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. Who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, they were so frightened. This section, apart from showing Peter's utter confusion, shows us that Jesus has the backing of the great heroes of the Old Testament. Moses, as many of you know, was the one the person that God used to bring his people out of Egypt and into the wilderness where he gave them the law. And Elijah is one of the mightiest of all the prophets in the Old Testament. Both these men, who somehow now sit at Jesus' side in this transfiguration story, give authority to Jesus' claims. In the same way that my my photo of my dad's skateboarding ability gives authority to my claims. In verse eight, we see that both these prophets both of these prophets, although great, they fade away when compared to the glory of Jesus. Verse eight. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. This picture shows us that the disciples shows us and the disciples that Jesus is the supreme above all the prophets and he is well worth giving up our lives for. But if that's not enough, Mark 9 verse 7 gives a piece of even clearer evidence. Let's read verse 7. Then a cloud appeared and covered them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. This scene shows us that Jesus has authority from the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the one that gives us breath and life each day. The Father shouts from the heavens, listen to him, listen to Jesus. This evidence would be like my my dad uh, getting his skateboard from outside and hand standing on his skateboard down the middle aisle. He's actually going to do it right now. No, Joey, I couldn't couldn't get him to do that, but he really can. Um, ask Megan. Uh, Jesus gives us hope for eternal life by this weight of evidence, by painting a picture of the glory that is to come. And the Father pleads with us, listen to him. In our first section tonight, Jesus used his words to describe that to be a Christian is to lose your life. In this section, Jesus paints a scene to convince us that following Jesus is well worth it. In our final section, Jesus shows us How we can live the losing life, and pleads with us to listen to Him. Point three, will you listen to Jesus? 9, 9 to 13. Our passage started today with the words of 8, verse 34 Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The big idea of our passage is that losing life is the only hope for eternal life. How do you feel as you hear those words? When I read them over the last couple of weeks, it prompted me to ask, am I a Christian? Am I really following Jesus? The disciples' response in verse 9 to 13 may resonate with you tonight. The disciples are floundering. They're confused. They're overwhelmed. They're frightened. Let's read verse 9 to 11. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they'd seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? After all they've seen, after the glory of this mountaintop transfiguration story, In verse 10, the disciples are confused. They don't know what's going on. In verse 11, they even question whether Jesus is really the real deal by this question about Elijah. We skimmed over before, but verse 5 and 6, we see Peter didn't even know what to say because he was so frightened, which is very rare for the often outspoken Peter. But maybe you feel the same as the disciples tonight. Maybe you're frightened of the cost of what it means to follow Jesus as we saw at the start of our talk tonight. Maybe you're confused and question is Jesus really the guy? Is it really worth it? In verse 9 and 12 of this section, Jesus responds to his disciples' confusion. And describes his path to the losing life. Verse 9, you can see it on the screen. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Verse 12, Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? In these verses, in Jesus' response, he describes his own future. In verse 9, it is death. He's going to die. In verse 12, he's going to face suffering and face rejection. The only reason Jesus can call you and I to lose our life is because he's going to give up his life first. This is the reason we celebrated Good Friday a few weeks ago the message of the cross, the crucified Jesus. This is the message we'll learn about in the rest of Mark's Gospel in the coming weeks. In this transfiguration story, Jesus gave a glimpse of eternity, a glimpse of glory, and on the cross, Jesus makes that glory, that eternity possible. You see, just a few days after this story, Jesus would suffer. He would be rejected. He was rejected by his friends these disciples, in fact. He was rejected by the leaders of God's people, the Jews who put him on the cross and by the Roman guards who crucified him. In the coming chapters of Mark, we read of Jesus as excruciating physical pain and suffering on the cross, nailed to a tree. But even this only gives a hint and a shadow of the spiritual pain he had taking on the punishment that we deserved for our sin. You see, each of us here, we fail to lose our lives for Jesus. We fail to give up our identity. We fail to give up our pride and our worldly ambitions. But Jesus didn't fail. He denied himself and took up the cross but he didn't stay dead, he rose from the dead to be the ultimate proof that he is who he says he is. So how will you respond to him? The father cried out from the clouds, listen to him. Will you listen to Jesus? Jesus demands your life and he offers the only way to eternal life through his death on the cross. If you're here tonight and you don't yet put your, tr- you don't yet have your trust in Jesus, I command you to look at the evidence, look at this story of the transfiguration, but ultimately look at the cross and Jesus' resurrection, because there will be a time when rejecting Him, ignoring Jesus, will be too late, and it will cost you your soul. But if you do trust in Jesus and you're here tonight. Praise God, but don't miss the words of this passage. Don't miss the weightiness of this passage. Jesus really does demand your life now. But don't forget that losing your life is only possible because Jesus lost his life on the cross first. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you for your son Jesus who died on the cross so that we didn't have to face your wrath on our own. Father, I pray that you would help us to lose our lives for you, but remember that we can only do this because you lost your life first for us on the cross. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.